Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, and uh, I want to read this first, and then I'll tell a little bit of the story how we got here doing this. So, uh, yeah, let's just stand up, if you would, in your living rooms right here. Just We like to do this uh, to honor the reading of the Word of God. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and I'll say, this is the Word of God, and you say, thanks be to God, right? All right. Yeah, Father, do bless the reading of your Word. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, and confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message, after me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." This is the word of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. You guys have a seat. So, wow. (laughs) Here we go. Gospel of Mark. Going to jump into this. Um, And uh, so this is the first Sunday of Lent, you know, on the Christian calendar. So there's things that we're receiving. There's things we're releasing during this time. It's a a time for us to refocus. It really is. And then we're going to be in Easter And then we'll be looking at Ascension Sunday and Pentecost Sunday and Trinity Sunday. I didn't know if y'all knew all that, but that's part of the things that are coming on the church calendar. And so, and then we'll be in the summer. And I think this, we'll probably get into the summer uh, uh, in this series. Um, I did this series uh, a number of years ago, about a decade ago, back in 2009, 10, and 11. And I did 47 messages on the Gospel of Mark. We're not going to do that. We're going to do something less. Maybe, I don't know how many, but, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really excited. Here's a little bit of the story. Um, we had this word going into 2021, planted in the house of the Lord and sent in the way of Jesus. And the sent in the way of Jesus kind of fl- uh, flowed out of John 20, 21. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so we just this burden of God is sending us in the way of Jesus. And we were considering different gospels to look at. And I'd gone away to pray at Riverbend. It's a retreat center in Glen Rose out there. And um, was, was really praying, Lord, show, what's the next series? Where do we go, go from here? This is a few weeks ago. And uh, I didn't get real clear. The Lord had me dealing with some other heart stuff during that time. And while I'm driving back, I decided to call Jim Reynolds, uh, Dr. Jim Reynolds. And uh, he is connected with the church here and preaches sometimes. And um, a dear friend, he's been a mentor for me for 30 years. 
And uh, so I'm talking with him, and he says, well, you know, I'm just starting right now on my podcast, which is called The The Politics of Jesus. He's got a great podcast. He said, I'm starting right now a a new series on Mark. And just as soon as he said that, I thought, well, okay, that would be creative. My first thought would be, that would be creative to do a Sunday series where we've got a podcast backing it up and for like the, the deeper dive, if you want to do even more, because he usually takes an hour. I take about 30 minutes. He takes an hour. He's already been done the first two um, on the background alone on Mark. So we're going to partner and run this thing out together and see how it goes. We're gonna be, I'm going to be meeting weekly with Jim, and he'll be meeting also with our sermon planning team, and we're going to just, we're going to try an experiment of a sermon series and a podcast together, and, and uh, you couldn't do, you could do much worse, actually, than listening to Jim weekly. He's, he's an awesome brother, and uh, just uh, so thankful for him. So we've got in your notes there the, the link to the podcast. You can also just look it up, Jim Reynolds, The Politics of Jesus. So let's do a quick overview here of Mark. Just look at a few facts, uh, a few Mark facts. Mark was the first gospel written, okay? So right there alone, you're you're putting it up into one of the most important documents ever written, the first gospel about Jesus Christ, written within a, a generation of when Jesus died. So 30, 35 years, something like that, around 55 to 60 A.D., and that's, it's, it's huge because that is, it's the first gospel written. It's written into the middle of persecution under Nero, the, the uh, Roman emperor at the time. So there's a, lot, there's a lot happening there. Mark is a cousin of Barnabas. You might remember that he famously had a disagreement with Paul that led to one of, I mean, talk about a rock star band of apostolicity, making up words as I go here. But uh, Paul and Barnabas, I mean, man, they had the band going. It was awesome. And then Mark, like, got in the middle of this thing, ticked Paul off. Paul says, I'm not going with him. And he takes Silas, and they go off on their own. And then Barnabas and Mark go off. So that's a, that's a famous band split up uh, for sure. But then t- 10 years later, Mark ends up with Paul again. Paul is in the jail. Uh, Paul's in jail in Ephesus. And as actually Jim famously called that, the jailhouse church, of the 250 chapters in the New Testament, 140 or 50 of them were written by three guys in that one jail cell together in Ephesus. You know, Paul, right? Luke and Mark, you know? And so... One of the things about Mark's gospel that's pretty cool is both Papias, one of the church fathers, and Origen, another church father, both said basically in, in kind of different language, but said that Mark was, he was writing the gospel of Peter, basically. He wrote as Peter dictated. So that's a cool thing to know about Mark. You, you wonder, why didn't Peter have a gospel? Well, Mark's kind of Peter's gospel. Does that make sense? So by tracking on that. So those are some cool little tidbits. One of the things that helps to date this letter too was that at the end in 1521, I believe, Mark 1521, there's a reference to Alexander or to Rufus, one or the other. And those were the two sons of Simon the, uh, from Cyrene who carried the cross. So here these guys are it's within a generation and they're literally, they're writing, all of this stuff's being written to people who know these people. You know, and so that's part of what makes it so powerful as a just like the, the, the truth of it. It's not myth. 
It's a, it's a story about what actually happened. And, um, and, it's, and it's also happening really fast. Like the, the Greek word for immediately is used over 40 times in Mark. So it's like this happened and this, this happened. So not always translated immediately, but that's, it's that sense of it's, it's all just going down right now. And then they did this and then they got up and they went and they did this. And so, so uh, both Mark and Luke both have about 20 miracle stories. Maybe there's 18 in Mark. But Luke is 71% longer than Mark. So it's happening real fast, like bam, bam, bam. Sort of like that. So, and then the two big mountain peaks that I want to draw your attention to are the times when Jesus Christ is confessed. First by Peter as a Jew in Mark 8. Truly, you're the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the son of God. And then by a Gentile there at the crucifixion, Mark 15, I believe, is the, the centurion saying, truly, this man was the son of God. Okay, so those are, that's important because all through this letter, it's like, who is this? The disciples, they're like, who is this? He just healed, he just healed this person or he calmed the storm. Who is this? And that, we want to uh, just remember that. It's about the identity of Jesus Christ. And so here's the main thing I'm saying today on this opening passage, this introduction, is that Jesus Christ is the starting point for us to understand God's world-changing story and to reorient life to the way of the king and his kingdom. So it's about the king, and it's about the kingdom, and it's about his authority. It's about who Jesus is. There in verse 1, let's look at this introduction here. The first one I want to mention is a clash of kingdoms. There is a clash of kingdoms right off the bat in the Gospel of Mark. This is uh, what's a good, subversive. This is a subversive document. So this is written to Christians in Rome, and I'm going to tell you why this is really subversive. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the King, the Son of God. So that right there in and of itself is subversive because it's the kingdom of God coming and being declared as over the kingdom of the world. This is the beginning of the good news, the gospel. The, the Greek word there is euangelion. It's, it's the, it, and it means it's an announcement about a kingdom. That's what that word literally means. And so it was used um, by Rome to it'd be some announcement about there's a new emperor or the emperor's having a birthday. We've got, they've got a plaque from, from a long time ago, Caesar Augustus. There was an announcement about Caesar Augustus. And it was said the euangelion about Caesar Augustus. Now that's really important. Part of the subversive part too is this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. That's, that's the, the anticipated king. The Son of God. Now, why is Son of God so important? Son of God's important because when Julius Caesar was killed on the Ides of March, they know that Halley's Comet flew that night. And they said that when Caesar died, he was being exalted into divinity. So then his son, his adopted son, Augustus, as he would be called, Octavian at the time, but he would be called Augustus, then he was a son of God. Because Caesar was exalted to divinity, then, then his son was a son of God. So this is the beginning, though, of the good news about Jesus the Christ, 
the Messiah, the Son of God. The, the real son. And so there's, there's literally coins with Augustus that has son of God on it. And here this is the gospel starting and says, throw down, gauntlet now being thrown down. Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He is the true son of God. So all of that's going on. A little bit of drama there for a, a gospel that's written into and delivered into Rome, into the persecuted Roman Christians there um, during that time, probably Peter and Paul had already been killed. Peter by crucifixion and Paul by beheading, as, as the tradition tells us. So uh, just one more little piece of why that, the, the clash of kingdoms, is so important. I mean, so you're looking for this gospel as an announcement. Jesus is the king, and it's good news. And even in our own culture right now, we've been just through this season where we're waiting on news. We don't have a king, but the closest thing, we've got kind of a president, right? Uh, not kind of. We have a president. <laughs> that's all. That's just open up to debate, right? Um, but we've got a president. And so there's been this waiting, like there's a waiting about the news, right? And, and whose news is the true news? And whose news is the right news? And people have been really uptight about this. The announcement about the king. And so could anything be more relevant? And it's not just a clash of kingdoms with Rome. It's a clash of kingdoms with any kingdom that would set itself up over the kingdom of God. Or that would try to claim allegiance in our lives over King Jesus. And so it's just, I want to be very, very clear. It's not even, it's not even hardly hidden that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the King, Jesus is the Messiah, and He demands first allegiance in our lives ever and always. Amen. Yeah. So there you go. There's a clash of kingdoms right off the bat. The second piece in the introduction here in the same verse is the revelation of God. I want, want us all to see that this is about the revelation of God. When we say the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So for us as Christians, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at the center of the center. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified, resurrected, ascended, and returning Lord of heaven and earth. The center of the center is, is Jesus. It's Jesus, the Son of God. When we say Jesus, the Messiah the Son of God, it's a statement about the relational God of love. It's a statement about the Trinity. It's a statement about who our God is, that Jesus is the Son, the eternal Son of the Father, the eternal Father, and their shared love together and fellowship and communion in the Holy Spirit. That's what we say when we, when we say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's what we're saying. That's what, that's what the church has said down through the centuries about who our God is. That's what orthodox faith is. It is that God is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit together in shared love and community. And it's out of that fullness that we, it's because God revealed himself in the Son. And so we're looking at this revelation and we, we look at it even more firmly and fully because Jesus is raised from the dead. I mean, this gospel, it's not like we don't know what's going to happen. 
We know what's going to happen, and that's why it's so important. We look retrospectively at the story because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, the game changer of all game changers. And then it then empowers us to look at the whole story of God differently. Then you read those other verses as it is written in Isaiah. So there's a story that this is all connected to. I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And all of this then points back to this huge story. It's the story of God. It's the story of fallen man. It's the story of the promise that comes to Abraham, that through him, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. It's the story of the Israelites. And when you get to the very end of the Old Testament, there's a quote from Malachi. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, so he says, as it's written in Isaiah, but he's actually, the first part of this quote is actually from Malachi, the very end of the Old Testament, chapter 3, Verse 1, and there it says, And I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? And so, 400 years, we're, we're, we're rolling back in the story, 400 years to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi's going, there's, gonna be, there's coming a day, and, and there's going to be a messenger who's going to prepare the way, and then the Lord's going to come, boom, sorry, it's going to come suddenly to the temple, but who can endure the day of his coming? The Lord himself is going to come, and that's what's powerful. You know, uh, one of the things that's so cool about Mark is that he doesn't just spell everything out black and white. In fact, the Orthodox Church calls Mark's gospel the mysterion. There's like mystery in it. He doesn't just spell it all out black and white. He wants us to to dive into this, to look into this, to to really look into there. So that next quote, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And I'm just going to plant this seed here. You know, when you read that in Isaiah, what they had always expected was the Lord God Almighty. They weren't expecting somebody in the flesh. They weren't expecting somebody to embody the Lord Almighty. They were expecting the Lord Almighty. God. God. It's just like, whoa, make straight paths for him, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, a rugged place for the plain, uh, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, let's skip down through verses 6, 7, and 8, just for time's sake. Verse 9, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. 
I mean, that is dramatic. I mean, here it's like, here is your God. The sovereign Lord comes with power. And that's what Mark is declaring here at the beginning of his gospel. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it's written. I'll send my messenger, a voice of one, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. I mean, if we've got eyes to see this, when they're asking, who is this? Who is this? Jesus, who is this? And then later, it's, it's Jesus saying, I just, oh God, I just have compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. Again, all these allusions to, 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 to uh, Isaiah are, are getting worked out and coming out. It's not like John's gospel. John's gospel is like, bam. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it's not like the, it's a little bit less mystery, right? And the one full of grace and truth. No one's ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who's at the Father's side, has made him known. Wow. You know, so it's just it's a little different feel. I'm just trying to, trying, trying to tease some of those, those things out there. So prepare the way for the Lord. It's about the revelation of of God in the person of Jesus Christ who embodies Israel's God. Yeah, Yeah. isn't that great? He's the embodiment of the God of Israel coming suddenly to the temple. And John is preparing the way. So let's look at the next piece there, which is in this introduction, which is a call to repentance from John the Baptist And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And John wore clothing made of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. Just kind of a bizarre Lenten, kind of letting some things go for Lent, right? And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Okay, so he's, he's seeing who he's welcoming. And there is then a call to repent. And Lent is for us, this time that we're entering into, it's a call to repentance, to, to align ourselves with the Lord, to to repent means to turn to the Lord from whatever part of our lives that needs turning. That's what this repentance time is about. It's a time of forgiveness, of receiving forgiveness from God. But then that also means repentance. If we're going to receive God's forgiveness in repentance, then we have to give God's forgiveness and forgiveness to others. Make sense? We can't receive what we're unwilling to give to others. And, and that's just made clear. Jesus makes that, you know, as you've been forgiven, forgive. Paul says that. As you've been, just, you forgive just like you've been forgiven. And that's the way it works. And so we are a forgiving people. And it's not optional. I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this is not optional for the people of God. Like I get to choose if I'm going to forgive or not. We forgive, period. This is a part of the gospel. We receive forgiveness, and then we must forgive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so then, confession. 
confessing their sins, which is really interesting. Uh, one of the things Jim brought up in our conversation this past week was, um, you know, that these aren't just uh, Gentile converts going out to be baptized. You know, Gentiles, when they were proselytized, they would convert to Judaism, they would be baptized. But now you've got Jews going out and being baptized. People from Jerusalem, everybody's going out and being baptized. This is radical. And confessing their sins. Everybody know what confession is? Confession is when, you, when you're convicted about something, you, something you go, oh, that was sin. And, and, and the Lord is saying that's sin. It's agreeing with him. That's what confession is. It's agreeing with the Lord. It's not arguing. No, it's not. Just agree. Lord, yes, that's sin. I'm sorry. That's what confession is. Okay, it's, it's not, we try to turn it into something different and where there may be people that need to be involved in that, but when it's between you and the Lord, then agree with him. That's, that's what confession is. Don Finto would always help me with that. It just helped me to understand, yeah, that's what confession is. It's agreeing. Don't, let's don't be in a disagreement with the Lord. Let's be in agreement with the Lord. And the last piece there on this call to repent is worship. He says, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the sandals, you know, his, his sandals. And so who is? Who's worthy? Who's the worthy one? That's Jesus, yeah. Um, a lot of times we do monthly, we have a pastor's prayer time over here in the, in the prayer room, and, and one of the brothers um, just in the city here, I, I just love him, and, um, and uh, he's always talking about the worthiness of Jesus, Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy. And I've learned just, you know, you know, you learn how to worship from different people. You know, just, Lord, you're worthy. Yes, you're worthy. You are worthy to take the scrolls and open the seals. And you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Yes, Lord. Even as I realize I'm unworthy, Lord, you are worthy. And so this call to repentance and forgiveness and confession and worship is all a part of what John's doing. In fact, Jesus in uh, John, cha- in John chapter 3, verse 30, uh, John is talking about hearing the voice of Jesus. And he says, he's the bridegroom. And I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And I'm hearing his voice right now. And it's bringing me joy. There's joy in hearing his voice. And he must become greater. And I must become less. And so that's, a, that's just a great, great call to repentance for all of us. Lord, more of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. That's one of the prayers we'll pray even as we're walking. Do y'all know there's a prayers called peditation prayers? It's like meditation, but peditation. And so you, you, you pray it and you say like, you can just pick any, you know, uh, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. You can do the, the sinner's prayer. What was that prayer called? <laughs> what is he doing? Um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So you could say that while you're walking, but you can also, more of you, more of you, Lord, less of me, but you're like walking. I can't, I can only go so far, but, but that's a good thing to do on a walk. It's called peditation, where each step, each represents a syllable of a short prayer that you're praying to God, okay? He must become greater, more of you. He must become greater, I must become less. That would be a good meditation prayer as well. So then the last piece here in the introduction is the baptism 
baptized with the Holy Spirit. I will baptize you, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you know, there's so many things there that John could have said, like he's going to bring forgiveness or he's all these things. He's going to give you a purpose in life. He's going to restore the image and your humanity to what it should be. But instead he says, I'm baptizing you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And, and part of what is just hitting me, and I think we need to just, in this time, we need this word right now, is that we need the presence of God. We can't make it without the presence of God right now, without being immersed in the presence of the living God. I can't do it. I can't make it. I came in for prayer this morning over in the prayer room. I was just, you know, how are you doing? I'm like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not doing great. Just, I'm, I'm a little emotionally tired during this time. Anybody can identify. And so Mike came over and he said, I just immediately you walked in and I heard the word whoosh. <laughs> and so he prayed whoosh over me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, you know. And then Pam starts praying and the rivers of living water flowing from within. And these are pictures of what it is to be baptized, to be but what's it baptized mean? It means to be immersed, immersed in the presence of God. We need to be immersed in the presence of God during this time. We can't do it as leaders in the church or as leaders in our different work areas or vocations. We need to be led by God during this time. I mean, we really, really do. It's like the Chinese church we talked about a couple weeks ago, following the Holy Spirit out into the woods, and then they come from all different directions to a clearing where they're then able to worship the Lord together. I mean, come on. You know, and, and I know it's nothing like that for us, but I'm telling you, you, don't, you guys don't know this, but we're having to seek God like that week after week after week after week after week after week after week. It's just the way it is right now. You know, the, the color wheel is spinning. Oh, God, show us what to do. Like literally this week, are we meeting in the parking lot? Or are we meeting in here? And praise God, there's no heat working right now. But we're okay. It's all right. Heat's out, but we're here. We're here together. I, I saw the end of the uh, Australian Open tennis match with uh, Osaka and Brady yesterday, the women's final and the, the organizer, the lady that's in charge of the whole Australian Open tennis, she goes, I just want to say, a lot of you don't understand how difficult it's been to run this tournament this year. There's been so many... Un I just looked, I looked over to Kim and I was like, I do. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff happening. You had to like make a lot of decisions. Had five days of the tournament without where people couldn't be there because there was a COVID outbreak. And then they finished, got to do the last little bit. I did think they had an awful lot of people in the stands, <laughs> for what it's worth. I'm sure they'll probably, I know you're probably watching this right now. Sorry. Um, so just, yeah, what we need is the presence of the Lord. We need, we need Holy Spirit, help us, lead us. And in our tendency to... Uh, our tendency is to try to do it on our own, to try to do it with what worked the last time we were in this situation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, greatest hits of 
my own experience. And man, we just we we need we need to get past our pride, our self-righteousness, our own praise seeking. And you know, there is a breaking that's happening yet again. I mean, just the Lord's breaking up ground, ground hasn't been broken up in me. I don't know, I don't know about anybody else, but it's and that's not bad. That's not bad. It's causing me to trust more in the Lord. And, you know, it's, we're in a time right now, in a corporate time, and around the world where we're saying, Holy Spirit, we need you. Help us, baptize us, fill us, make us humble, teachable, learners in your presence. Keep us unified and one. Give us grace to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, as we finish this intro to Mark, this beginning of the good news, we're saying it's about Jesus. It's back to Jesus. That's who the Holy Spirit is wanting to point us to anyway, is to Jesus, who is the head and the King and the Lord. And we want to order our lives to the King and His kingdom and the story that is worked out in his life and he's bringing us into, right? That's what we want to do. So stand up. And uh, Asher's coming. He's going to just play a little bit here. But just let's turn to, let's just turn in our hearts to the Lord. Holy Spirit, do help us. Help us here. Help us to just let the water rise in our hearts. Help us to be aware. Uh, just less, less of us. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More. Lord, where there is a clash of, of kingdoms, Lord, we want to submit to Jesus who is the Lord. Where there's a cl- whether that's uh, American kingdoms or Republican kingdoms or Democrat kingdoms or Lord, just whatever it is, opinions, Lord, our own, just are, are in ourselves. There's a clash between us wanting to reign versus you reigning. Oh, Lord, help us and have mercy. We want to respond to the gospel, the good news, the announcement that Jesus Christ is the King and the Lord son of the living God yeah Lord and where we need to just have fresh eyes to see the revelation of Jesus the sending of the son the sending of the spirit the revealing of the triune God of love the relational God of love Lord would you open our eyes would you open our eyes to see even in the Lord Jesus Christ the embodiment of Israel's God reveals God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who came suddenly to the temple, who brought judgment to make things right, and received the judgment, Lord, that we could be declared righteous and holy in Him. We thank You, Lord. We thank You that You are 
the crucified and the resurrected and ascended and returning Lord of heaven and earth. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we give you praise, Lord. And Lord, now, just in our hearts, in the living rooms, wherever we're at, just wherever there's repentance, that just turning, aligning, calibrating that needs to happen, we turn to you. Wherever there's forgiveness that needs to be received or needs to be expressed, Lord, we give it. Just we, we don't want to hold, withhold any forgiveness, even as you've not withheld it from us. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yes. And Lord, where there's confession that needs to happen, where we need to say, yeah, that's sin, Lord. Lord, help us. We want to walk in the way of love and righteousness and justice. So, Lord, to do that, though, we've got to get in line with you. And, Lord, where there's sin, we want to confess it and agree with you and align our hearts and lives, our thinking, our relationships. And, Lord, we worship you. We praise you. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and power and praise. Worthy is the Lord. Jesus Christ, you are worthy. You are the worthy Lamb of God, slain from before the foundation of the world. You are worthy. We worship you. We worship you. We glorify you. And now, God, just give us grace to submit that we might be filled up with your presence, your spirit. You're not withholding from us. Lord, we're not even... Lord, even the way people get wigged out sometimes about baptized in the Holy Spirit, is it once or twice or the 90th? Or, Lord, we, I, I don't know. Lord, Lord, we want you. We want you. Fill us, baptize us, immerse us. Lord, whether it's the first, 20th, all the theological arguments about this, that, and the other, God, we just want you. Holy Spirit, come. We want your power. We want your gifts. We want your fruit. We want your life. We want the Jesus that you want to glorify. Lord Jesus, we want the Father that you want to make known. So Lord, meet us right here in the middle of just getting going in 2021. Yeah, Lord, we're saying we want to follow you and follow the way of Jesus and we want to be sent in the way of Jesus. Even as we embark on the study in the Gospel of Mark, Lord, change us and make us just more and more conform to the image of the Son that we love. Fill our hearts with love for the Son of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so you guys are the church. You are filled with God and His presence. You've been baptized in His Spirit. Press into Him. Let's don't stop. Let's keep going. During this time, like never before, He wants to lead us. So may you walk in His power and in his life, baptized in fullness in all that he is, because he's the one we need. He is your life. Go in peace. Amen. Love y'all.